This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe took everything Milton Keynes dons. Um, been a little while since we recorded a podcast, gents, but um, how are you all doing? Ross, how's your week going so far? Yeah, I'm doing good, thanks. Yeah, lead up to Christmas, eh? I'm sure you're busy as ever. Well, I've got annual leave till the end of the year now. Oh, so very nice. It's very nice to have some time off. Yeah, but it is, yeah. Um, Joe, I'm sure you haven't got the luxury as Ross has got annual leave, so, but <laughs> I'm sure you're busy as hell, but how are you doing? Yeah, it's um, calming down a little bit, so I'm hopeful of a, a lay-in past uh, sort of 8am, which would be quite nice, but yeah, it's, it's yeah, been alright, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, um, say technically on uh, holiday from uni now, but it's not really a holiday in final year, you kind of always on the go, um, but yeah, it's cracking on really. My heart bleeds for you. <laughs> I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Right, gents, let's get on to um, Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, fell to defeat in Devon, um, away to Plymouth Argyle. Um, of course, lost 1 0. Wasn't the best performance, not going to lie. Um, seems to be a bit of a roller coaster at the moment in terms of how we're playing. Seems to go from a good result to a bad result and keep you going like that. Um, quick XG summary of the game. I know some of you love your XG. Um, so Plymouth uh, finished with an XG of 1.37. Uh, they scored the one goal, so they uh, underachieved their XG. Um, and we scored 0.35 XG on the game, which is uh, not a great look at all. Um, and yeah, it, it kind of summarised our whole attacking performance, really. It wasn't a lot. The few chances we did take, or we didn't take, so say sorry, we probably should have. Especially uh, Regan Paul comes to mind from that one. We should have really just smashed it and decided to pass it back to the keeper, which was great. Um, yeah, wasn't great. Um, Ross, why don't you give us your generalised thoughts on how you thought uh, Plymouth went on Saturday? Yeah, I think I think you summarised it very well. Game a few chances, and realistically, we should have came um, as Ross said. It should we should have came away with a draw, um, but. First of all, I just want to say uh, I was impressed by the Plymouth 
pressing in the first half. Um, they pressed us into mistakes and um, they were targeting a few individuals um, in Louis and Kasumu, um, two vital players in our system. And I, I think I, I think it just shows um, through the result um, how success, how much success we had going forward. And uh, that was very little. But um, second half, I felt we controlled the game a lot more. We had um, the ball. We didn't really do anything with it. And um, once again, we are the masters riding down full. And um, we gave the ball away from a silly error um, from a throw-in. And as I say, it's, it's, it's all on us um, whether we get a result out of that game or not. And uh, unfortunately, um, Plymouth came away with the three points. But I just wanted to highlight um, going forward, once Fraser plays, uh, plays bad, MK play bad. So I think it just highlights how key Fraser's going forward for us. Yeah, it's without a doubt he's our our best player this season. He's everything we are going forward, really. If uh, he's not going, then it's very hard for the rest of the attack to get going. And uh, Saturday was a shining example of that. Um, Joe, why don't you give us your generalised thoughts on how you thought Saturday went? Yeah, there was a lot going on in the game, I think. For for a game which I I don't think was a great game, really, overall. Overall, even as a neutral, I wouldn't have said it was a great game. But you know, keep Fraser quiet, and the other team will have a chance. It's, it's that, I mean, that's the long and short of it. But I mean, but some things I did notice from the game was, I think first half we, our possession play was crap. It, no two ways about it. It was, it was just really not good. But then you've got to credit Plymouth because they came with the plan. They pressed high, and when we did, we did play quite a few long balls and. We, 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 I noticed we played nearly 20% of our passes attempted in, in the first half were long and it just it showed that we just weren't able to, to sort of string any sort of momentum together and that showed in the, in, the, in, the, in the first half and in the second half Russ changed it up he brought Sermon on and that did give us a bit more control in the second half we, we had much more of the ball uh, we had more shots in Plymouth in the second half um, but again, it almost, you know, pretty much to no avail. Like you've mentioned the Regan Paul chance, um, the Lassa Sorensen chance, which didn't actually result in a in a shot. You know, the ball was played right through to Lassa Sorensen. If he hits that first time, he's about eight yards out. And it's, you know, if it's on goal, there's a good chance it's going in. And it has it situations like that where you just need that killer instinct. You just need to have a go. I thought we got into some good positions with Sorinola. And again, when we'll come to it later, just a little bit too conservative at times, I felt. You know, you need to be, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, you need to be taking risks. And I just think one one other thing that really stood out from the game was in all the game, Plymouth made 29 tackles. We made seven. And for me, that's that's just, that just shows how intense Plymouth were. And we just probably weren't up to those... Well, I mean, you could see we, it was a pretty flat performance, and um, but but when we and it and I, I do believe they were there for the taking because when we did string some passes together, I've already met, we've already mentioned two chances we had that were probably better than any of the chances they had, and situations that they managed to make. So it's frustrating. Again, a cheapish goal, and again, you know, having good good chances squandered from ourselves. Yeah, I think it's a very good argument you made there, Joe, in terms of how the chance we did have, you know, a good team creates those chances, um, but a great team takes them. And, um, you know, we're not a great team yet, um, but I feel 
we can be a great team for sure. We've definitely got the personnel to do that, in my opinion. And it's just a case of, you know, just taking them because um, that game really should have been in our hands, quite frankly. You know, Plymouth won a bad run, uh, the worst in the league, as we previewed. And um, yeah, it's disappointing to not come away with anything from that game. Um, when we when we actually previewed the game uh, last episode, um, we didn't actually realise that Dan Harvey was suspended for this game. Well, this game was passed on Saturday and I think his presence on that left wing would have been so crucial in this one. Um, obviously, Matty Solnoda deputised for, for him on Saturday and he just didn't have what we needed in that game in terms of the attacking quality. Um, I know, Ross, you had a few thoughts on uh, the Harvey Solnoda situation, but it just feels like Matty's not got what we need attacking-wise in this system. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like with the system we play, playing at the back suits Sorinola. But going forward, I, I, I do feel like Harvey's a completely different option. And in my eyes, I feel like he's a better option than Sorinola. But um, I feel like with having two six-foot strikers up top, you've got to have the delivery and um, you've got to take advantage of that height in the box. And I just feel like we didn't use that to ad- our advantage at the weekend. And um, it just shows... Um, with the result, um, why why we uh, we didn't have as much success going up top, but going forward, I feel like if we're not going to rely on Fraser, we need that service out out wide, and it, as we've all mentioned in previous pods, it's another option going forward, and it's not the oh that's our only plan A Scott Fraser, and we've got plan B wing backs, and you see what I mean? We we've got to have different outlets going forward, and at the end of the day. Sorinola, if he wants to develop his game into a better and develop his himself into a better player, he's got him um, improve that attacking style. Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, we don't know whether he's been instructed to do that or because well, he's a right foot player, isn't he, Matty? So we're not sure whether he's or if he's like comfortable enough on his left foot, whether he can, you know, go in and whip his crosses in with his left foot. Um, there's a lot of different variables in that, uh, to be honest. But also, um, I, just, I just want to mention about Paul as well. I don't think Paul had as much success as we, we thought he would have. Yeah, I mean, of course, he had the huge chance where he probably should have scored. Um, he certainly got in the right areas. Yeah, he's, he does that every game for me. Um, he just doesn't have the acumen or that's the right word, but whenever he gets in his, he not know what to do when he gets in those areas or he either goes over his head or like on Saturday, he doesn't put it away and... Yeah, if he had a, if he had better finishing, he'd have four to five goals a season, in my opinion. It's just a shame that he hasn't um, done that yet this season. Um, Joe, going back on to um, Harvey versus uh, Sorinola, I know you were quite vocal on bringing in Dan Harvey for that particular game of the weekend. Obviously, he didn't have that um, luxury, but um, we saw Bailey Cargill come in for a brief cameo um, towards the end of the game and he kind of offered what we need down the left-hand side. And I suppose that kind of echoed what you were saying in regards to um, Harvey's attacking sort of threat on that left-hand side. Yeah, I think with, with Bailey Cargill, he's not someone that I'd rely on defensively, especially at the heart of defence. But I think, you know, he's not a bad player. He, he, he's, he can, and we saw against Doncaster, he's got the ability to dribble and he, he's a good dribbler. And I feel that he got in some really good positions um, and he put a couple of good crosses. In. He put a couple of crosses in, or just just getting into dangerous areas. And with with someone with Sorinola, 
the defenders just know that he's going to cut in on his right. And so if they just block that route off, the, the only way he's going to go is backwards. And I felt with Bailey Cargill and also Dan Harvey, especially against Portsmouth, I think Dan Harvey in about half an hour had six crosses that were all within the width of like the, the, the 18-yard box. They're good areas to cross in. You know, you don't want to be crossing from 30 yards out, out, out wide. You want to be getting to the byline and cutting it back into the players. And we created probably our best chance from that, which Lassie Sorensen didn't even register a shot from. And so it just shows that we're getting into these good areas and, and the, just, the delivery needs to be better. I mean, I thought Connor Grant for Plymouth, I thought he was outstanding and constantly dangerous down their left-hand side. And it's just... You know, it was it was um, you know it was an oversight from us that that um, that Dan um, that Dan Harvey would be playing. But I'm just looking at Conor Grant's stats. He he put in 16 crosses and five of them were successful. That's an astonishing rate. And I believe he took a couple of set pieces as well. He also had a couple of shots. And when you're playing because they play a similar sort of system to us, when you're playing that sort of system, you know your wing backs are your most uh, they're they're your you know your primary outlet obviously we've got Fraser in the middle but a lot of teams that play this formation it's all about the wing backs you look at Wolverhampton Wanderers who play three at the back you know they've got Matt they well last season they had Matt Doherty on one side Johnny on the other and then you've got Brighton they've got Lamptey and Solly March Lamptey's been absolutely lauded for his attacking performances you know these teams that play these wing back systems it's the wing backs that are often you know the highest players up in the pitch and just having that, the, the because Regan Paul gets in some great positions, but it's just that final, almost not striker's instinct, but just that that final bit of decision making where you know Regan Paul, who's someone who's been playing defence for most of his career, it, it's just you know it's not going to happen overnight, and sometimes you need those natural, you know, uh, left wing backs who have been you know in in Scotland, Harvey was absolutely tearing it up through his assists and attacking play. He, he's used to be getting in those areas. And I, I think it shows. And I think that it's something we could benefit from going forward because it's not as if we're not getting into crossing positions. Yeah, and I think, you know, for what Solo offered on Saturday, um, I would like to see Dan Harvey get a streak of games at left wing back, see what he can do, um, especially in these upcoming games where you'd like to think we can get the opposition a bit more, especially in the system that we play. And I think um, if there's anything to take from uh, that game on Saturday is the use of Grant and that left wing back system and how Harvey can be used by Russ Martin and the coaching staff 100%. Um, I think as well, I just just a quick note, I still think Sorinola's our best defensive wing back. Yeah, I, I still think defensively, you know, one-on-one, if you had to pick, you know, if you had to pick someone to go one-on-one with, you know, one of the best wingers in the league, say Siriki Dembele, I'd pick Matty Sorinola to go one-on-one with him. But it's just, it's just when we when we're a team that has the ball a lot, you, you maybe want to prioritise other parts of the game. Yeah, I know. Me and um, me and Ross were speaking about Plymouth's pressing throughout the whole game and how we felt it was one of the, one of the better teams to face the season in terms of you know them actually doing that control press and really putting us under pressure. And um, Russ, um, Russ, <laughs> Ross, I know you uh, briefly mentioned it regarding um, you know they target that two-year system in terms of uh, Lewington and Kasumu. Um, did you want to elaborate more on how Plymouth pressed as well and how maybe Ryan Lowe adapted his team's game to what we were offering as a team? Yeah, I was, I was 
looking at uh, Ryan Lowe's uh, post-match and um, he actually said that um, he set up like that for a reason. And I just feel like um, we've seen that in previous games, especially like Burton. And they change the whole gameplay because they, they know we're quite, is the word vulnerable as such, uh, in the first naive, 15 minutes. Naive, perhaps. Naive, yeah. Mate, naive is probably the best word. Um, in the first 15 minutes, um, we, we've, uh, we're naive to concede a goal. So I just feel like Plymouth, who were on for, I think, five in the, in the row um, last streak, I just feel like they, they knew that we were um, fragile as such at the back and they targeted, targeted individuals like Lewington and Kasumu, players who make us tick and players who make us dictate our, the games we, we've seen against like Peterborough. David Kasumi was at the heart of it. And I felt like they just targeted David Kasumi because they know we wouldn't start playing football then. So and I, I, I do think that, that, as we've all said, that that was their best performance of the season in terms of pressing, pressing side. But in the second half, they they gave up the ball and um, they were waiting for the right chance, and they got their chance in the end. Yeah, um, we were saying pre-recording how you know Plymouth weren't the best side quality-wise we played, but in terms of their hard work and as Ross said, their press, they were probably one of the best teams we played this season, and it shows you how a young manager in Ryan Lowe's really um, got into this team and you know sort of imprinted his style onto it and he is willing to adapt to certain situations, certain games and you know they got the they got the benefits of that, the full benefits and uh it'll be interesting for sure to see maybe if the our young manager Russell Martin and his coach staff learn anything from that game and see if they can implement anything going forward because it's in that stage at the moment where you know what we're trying to do is still very new, it's still very young and players are still adapting to it. It's gonna take a while and um you know to expect quite a few results instantly is pretty unrealistic um, looking at it from that point. Um, I know some people reacted quite badly to Andrew Serban's post-match interview. I, I believe he said we were the better team in the first half. And uh, yeah, a few, a few people didn't take too kindly to that comment. Um, Joe, I know you you spoke a lot about Lasser Sorensen already, um, but I know you wanted to make a quick comparison between um, Sirs and Lasser. So I'll let you go ahead and compare the two of them. Yes, really weird because we said how Lasser Sorensen completely checked, like, he was almost a game changer against Peterborough and the past three or four games. He's been absolutely fantastic, couldn't fault him and that he should definitely be starting ahead of Sermon. And what we saw was, you know, he completed four passes in the first half and he was hooked at half time. He had eight jewels and won one of them and it was just you know it wasn't great and it, I feel that he committed three fouls as well lost possession four times it was just it was just quite disappointing and it was almost as if you know we, we, as soon we, it was one of the reasons why we weren't able to retain possession when we actually got it obviously they were bang on it from the start but when when they are bang on it, you just sometimes just need to take a, take take your time, just calm it down a bit because this is exactly what we did against Peterborough. We calmed it down a bit. We just calmly played it round the back, and then when there was a chance to, we'd play a ball in behind, and we were getting a bit of joy playing a, a few longer balls. This this week it was a bit different. We were playing those longer balls, but you know we weren't fighting for the. You know I know it sounds quite simple, but it just seems like we weren't 
fighting for any of the second balls. It seems like we were just being beaten in that midfield battle. And I think it's interesting on the pod we said about on the preview pod we said how we think the wing backs were going to be probably the most crucial area, but we've got completely dominated in the midfield three. And I feel that uh, Panucci Kamara was absolutely fantastic. He didn't let Fraser pretty much, you know, Fraser he just didn't. He had he was quite quiet, but you know this is it was mainly down to this guy Kamara. He he won four out of fourteen duels. He won ten of them. It's just absolutely monstrous stats. Um, but I feel when Sermon came on, he just provided that extra bit of quality to just help, you know, ease the pressure. You know, he saw a Plymouth player coming towards him. Just it's all about, you know, just just simple things like body shape, passing the ball off to someone. You know, just doing the simple things right, and it allowed us to then grow into the game. And yeah, okay, we weren't uh, scintillating best, but we had a bit more control. And you know, say what you want about the second half, but in, in the second half they only had three shots and scored one of them. You know, if you're limiting the team to three shots, you'd like to think that they're probably not going to score a goal. It's a very low number of shots. And the fact that they did score one is just, it is what it is. And it was a poor goal. It was a soft goal. And it was just, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have been too easy, so easy, that goal. But I just feel that, you know, having Sermon on just gave us that little bit of that element of control. And in terms of last, look, He's 19 years old. He's, you know, he started the season like a house on fire. He had a few get bad games and was rightly so, you know, left out of the team. But then he absolutely worked his way back into the team. He's 19 years old. There's a reason why he's playing in League One and not in Stokes first team. Because if he plays like we know he can do every week, then he would be in Stokes first team. Yeah, we um we spoke a lot about this previously with Steve Walker, and it has it's a bit of a roller coaster these younger players, especially on their first loans. You know they're gonna they're gonna have these like, amazing games where, like for example, Doncaster and Peterborough, where they're really controlling the game. You know, really in their stride and showing their full quality. And they're gonna have games like Plymouth where they're not at the races and they're gonna get subbed off early, and that's gonna maybe not their confidence. But it's important that, that doesn't happen, and it's important that you know the coaching staff don't let that happen, um, especially with a younger player. And one player we really did miss, and we haven't mentioned him yet, was, and I don't think George Williams played badly, but one player we really missed was Warren O'Hora because he, he's just so calm and, and composed in possession. Just just simply just brilliant on the ball. And, you know, it's not, and again, I don't think George Williams had a bad game, but it's just, you know, Warren O'Hora just gives you that extra dimension in possession and in the build-up. And he, he's so mature for his years. Yeah, we hope uh, Warren and his family are doing okay. Um, obviously, yeah. he was passing of their, was it was it granddad? Um, apologies if I'm wrong on that, Warren. Um, but yeah, we hope you're doing well, mate. And uh, hopefully we see you back on Boxing Day. And yeah, it'd be nice to uh, see you back on the pitch. Um, but yeah, I believe uh, someone on this pod uh, recommended signing Kamara in the summer 2019, uh, who plays at Plymouth now. Um, but yeah, you know, he's a great player. And I think that game emphasised that. He's just an absolute beast quite frankly and you can see why Plymouth were so keen to get him in the summer when he was available on free uh, and I, I was surprised we didn't try and get him to be honest especially with the system that we operate now um, Ross did you have any thoughts on what Joe elaborated on regarding like the Andrew Sermon v Lassa uh, you know debate I think we mentioned it on last week's pod in, in the terms of it just depends what type of team we come against I know um, Plymouth we're pretty much match, matched our formation as such. So I just feel like 
Sorensen, as, as we all, all just said, he's so young, so he's going to be inconsistent and his performance aren't going to be consistent. But I just feel like um, sometimes um, Sermon lacks legs and that's where Sorensen's so key. So going forward, do, do we need to make drastic changes as such? Probably not. It's just, I just feel like the players, you can tell they're tired now and I feel feel like this festive break has took its toll on them and uh, hopefully this, uh, if Bristol Rovers is cancelled um, due to the coronavirus, um, it'll do them the world of good. Yeah, you can, yeah, and it's not to get any easier, unfortunately, is it, with, uh, was it, is it three games in space a week? coming up uh yeah. so yeah wow it's uh <laughs> it's not looking good for their uh again getting a rest anyway that's for sure um so yeah we spoke quite a fair bit on the Plymouth game um but we wanted to get into this next topic uh we had a few comments about feedback and such and we always encourage feedback and that's great um so we thought we'd incorporate one of these into our next segment so we're gonna play the devil tells advocate game um i know a lot of people have been saying how they're not happy, basically, what's happening uh, in terms of where we are in the league and the performances. So um, I'll represent you guys or some of you guys that feel this way. And um, Ross and Joe are going to represent, you know, their views personally and why they're very much in favour of what's going on right now. So, uh, Ross, if you want to kick us off, uh, take us away. Yeah, I just feel like um, the pressure with Russ, he came into the job and I feel like... Winky got straight uh, blamed straight away for the cheap option and all this. He he wasn't experienced enough, and he got as Russ Martin did get us out of a rut. And um, I just feel like through to the back of last season and through to this season, I feel like um, he's starting to bring some real stability and consistency in terms of results. I know um, people are saying we're not winning games, but we're becoming a lot harder to beat, and. I just feel like the complaints as such, I feel like, um, yeah, we did lose against Plymouth at the weekend and I'm not defending that performance. But I feel like Russ never said that this was going to be a short-term success. It was always going to be long-term. And he promoted it as a project. And as a project, it's over the case of years, in my eyes, in, in the football game. So I just feel it's very rash. And um, I feel like the team's become a lot more resilient compared to the one last season. I feel like last season, um, if you guys remember, well, don't blame me if you don't, but against Fleetwood away, I think we had zero shots on target and um, we're, we're pointing arrows towards the goal. It was just a mockery towards the uh, where the goal was. So we're, we're not seeing that anymore. I feel like we're playing a, a lot more of a um, attractive brand of football and we're playing... We're playing the DNA of our club, basically, the MK way. And I, I do feel like this playing out the back method will eventually click. But as we as we have all said in previous pods, this isn't going to be short term. It's going to be long term. But let's take it away from the results side. Let's look at what Russ has done out of his own time. He didn't have to do the fans for him. He's put a presentation together. He showed all of the fans. This is where we're at. And this is where I want to be. This is how much we've improved and what we need to get better at. He'd done that out of his own time and he didn't do that in work hours. He'd done that at 7 through to 10. He didn't have to do that because he's got kids and that. So I just feel like people just need to cut him some gratitude 
and realise that he is here for the fans and he wants a fan, uh, the club to, to go forward. And at the end of the day, these fans who are getting on his back after, what, seven, eight months in the job, remember, it's his first season. Yeah, I mean, Ross, you mentioned regarding the playing from the back system. And um, I noticed D3, D4 football um, tweeted out some, you know, pass completion rates that came out. And uh, top tier of the list are Keo and Tahora with 93, 92%. And then we had uh, Jordan Houghton a bit further down with 89%, and then uh, Dean Lewington 88%. Um, you know, those stats are great, of course. You know, playing back from system, you know, we want to see players, you know, make sure their percentages are up high. But we're not getting anywhere with the ball. Um, you know, majority of our passes are inside our own half. You know, teams are happy to so let's have the ball. Um, and I play with, as I saw in playing for Saturday, we're not creating enough chances. So how can, you know, you say our you know, the system's, you know, going well and we're seeing other managers adapt like Ryan Lowe did on Saturday where, you know, we're ultimately not getting the results we need and at what point for you, Ross, do results trump performances and if, if it isn't now, then when is it? Right, let's look at Liverpool then. Look at Klopp in his first season. What, you think he was top of the league? No, of course he wasn't. He had a rut and this is what we're going through. We're, we're, no, I wouldn't exactly call it a rut as such but, um, I feel like we are progressing and you're saying that the results aren't coming, but we've lost more games than what we did under, under Tisdale. We're drawing a lot more. I think we draw, uh, we've drawn seven this season. Um, I just, I, I, if I remember rightly, I've, um, we had 13 losses la, uh, last season compared to, I don't know what it is this season, but I'm, I know it's fewer. Eight. Eight, eight now. Eight. Yeah, yeah, eight. Compared to That's this time five. last season. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's how much progress we've made. People don't realise cutting it into draws, it, yeah, it's a good thing. But I've always said going into a game, if we draw on draw, draw away from home and we win our home games, you're always going to do well in a season. And I feel like we're turning into that side. We're not exactly there just yet, but we are turning into that side. So for, for you to say we're just passing the ball around the back, yeah, we are we are passing the ball around the back, but I wouldn't say it's passing around the back. I'd say we're recycling it, and going forward, you've got to go backwards to find another forward pass, in my eyes. And for all these negative people to say that uh, it's boring football, well, unfortunately, we're not going to change anytime soon. I mean, yeah, you mentioned the recycling of the system, and I get that, but um, you know. You mentioned about a plan B and a plan C earlier, Ross. Would you like to see a plan B and a plan C implemented? And you know how how would that how would you go about that if you were Russ? Well, you say about a plan B or plan C. So these are young players. Bear in mind, so that they they've had all preseason. Well, I wouldn't say all preseason because some players joined um, after preseason, but all all through the off season they've been working hard on this system. And then Rush is going to turn around and say to him, I want you to play a 4 4 2 next game. That, for a player with what wingers? Age, yeah, exactly, with no wingers. Yeah. So we've, we've recruited into, into the 3 5 2 or 5 3 2, however you want to see it. Um, so we recruit for that formation and we'll go against it. You, you, it's one thing or another in my eyes. And you talk about a plan B, plan B or plan C as such. 
I feel like no team has a plan B or plan C. It's just a different option in attack. Okay. Um, you know, Joey mentioned earlier about how, you know, we're not necessarily giving up you know, loads of shots on goal. I think he mentioned it's three shots in the second half against Plymouth. But at the end of the day, we're still conceding goals. And, you know, we're very volatile as a defence in terms of, oh, it's one chance, one goal. Um, you know, how can how can we defend a back well, a back five in a sense who, you know, yes, they can pass the ball about a bit and create chances at field, but at the end of the day, they can't defend their own back door. Well, I, mean, I mentioned that a few. We've mentioned about this a few times, and one of the things that that came up was a lot of the time it's not necessarily you know stop it's stopping the ball in in the first place, and I think. Just, just, just like just taking a step back a bit. I don't know. I don't know where our fans think we should be finishing because the highest we finished in the last what five, six years was when we got twenty third in the championship and relegated. We then finished in twelfth place after, thanks to Harvey Barnes basically coming in and scoring almost every game he was here. Since then, we've we've been relegated, promoted again. And again, another relegation battle. I don't know why people think we should be doing better than what we are. And I think Russ, you know, I think there's so many positive signs. And if anything, we're underperforming at the games we're playing. In over half of the games we've played this season, we've had more shots than the opposition. You'd expect us to actually take advantage of some of those shots. And I feel, you know, one thing which I really, really don't, think people really understand the gravity of is how good Reese Healy was. We've barely mentioned him. And yet only one player had a better goals per uh, um, minutes per goal ratio in the league. That was Ivan Tony, who's currently top scorer in the championship. Reese Healy's currently scored, I think it's uh, seven in six, uh, six in five games in in um, in the French second division. It's not exactly a you know chumps league. He's and I think you know, we, we we lack quality. And, you know, Russ has said the budget's been slashed and you can look at how many people, how many, you know, players have moved on, how many... And it, the, the squad's going through a massive change. We're relying so much on younger players in, in key areas and we've, got, and we've got some experience as well. But I think, you know, sometimes you can coach... I think a prime example of this is Brighton. Yesterday, Brighton had 20, I think it was 25 shots or something against Sheffield United. Sheffield United had five. Sheffield United scored one goal. How many did Brighton score? One. It's just sometimes you just need that quality to stick the ball in the net or to keep it out the other side. And I think, you know, as we said, as we, I think we said at the start, we're not going to replace Healy. We can just hopefully just build players around him to do a similar sort of job. And I feel that we've, you know, we're probably making more chances this season than we were last season. It's just we don't have a multi-million pound value striker sticking them in for us this season. That's the difference, in all honesty. Um, and I, I just feel that you mentioned, you know, you mentioned about not, not conceding many shots, but the shots that we do concede do go in. To me, that's that's quality of player. That's that's just something that I mean, how much of it. Is is actually genuinely the management or the or the the team or the the structure's fault that we're conceding chances and and, and it's silly goals, it's soft goals, but uh, you know it, it's 
all you can hope for in a game is that you limit a team to as little shots as possible and that you have more than them. And most of the time, you will probably win if you have more shots than your opponent. And we've done that in the majority of games this season. So would you say this um, conceding goals or goals, maybe silly goals, uh, is a like, is it a quality thing? Is it a mentality thing? Um, what are your thoughts on it, Joe? I think it is. A, I think it's a combination. I think, you know, obviously Russ isn't perfect. There's going to be things which he's he's said himself he needs to do better. And in the past two games, we haven't conceded a goal in the opening 15 minutes. Yeah, we have conceded first both times, but that's you know that represents a different different issue because in both of those games, in the Peterborough game and the Plymouth game, we both times we have missed at least two chances, really good chances to put ourselves actually in front first. All of a sudden, if we go one 0 up, well, we haven't actually we've won every single game which we've led this season. So, I think you've got to you can't just look at it binary at that one chance. You've also got to look at well actually, would they have even got that chance if we just stuck away our chance in the first place? Ross, are you are you on the same lines as Joe in terms of it's a combination of both quality and uh, mentality-wise? 100%. That, that's why we're in League One, because of we haven't, as, as we haven't got that quality all over the pitch. And that's why that we're getting... Um, we, we lost against Hull, for example... They had McGuinness up top who put two chances away. But as Joe said, we had chance against Peterborough and we didn't put them away. That's different. They're, they're the fine margins in League One between the top and They've the bottom. They've got a million-pound striker who can. Yeah, exactly. And Joe made me aware um, at the weekend that I, I turned around and said, well, we're not consistent. And, and Joe turned around and said, well, hold on. He said, I think, didn't you say that they had a 54% win percentage? Um, oh, yeah, they they win just over half. I think in the over league, half of their games, season. and that just shows the fine margins in this in in this league. And for people to say that, uh, oh yeah, well the results aren't coming through, but we are playing well in those games, and we have dominated Hull, we have dominated Peterborough, we have dominated Portsmouth away. People forget the performances we are putting in, and it just shows as I, as I, as I keep saying the, the margins in the game. Okay, I'll leave on one last note, boys. Say the unmentionable half when we got relegated. Is Russell Martin your MKL's manager next season? I think you ruin the past 18 months of progress. You know, in, in this season, we've lost eight games. Only, only two of them have been more than one goal. That means that, to me, that's saying even games that we're losing, we're in, in those games. You know, all it takes is one moment and, and we're drawing or, you know, we're going ahead. It's not as if we're being blown away. We've had one really crap game and that was crew. But apart from, apart from that, we've, you know, we've just, we, we've been in every game up until the, the last minute. And I, I feel that to, to, to get, to, to, to change something drastic now, I feel you just, you've just ruined basically a year, year and a half. And I feel that if you really, because, you know, we're not building just to, maybe have a playoff push every now and then. We're building to have a sustainable football club with an identity. You look at a team like Barnsley, they've been a bit of yo-yo club for years. They've stuck to a philosophy. When t- fans have been questioning it, people have been questioning it, but they're probably comfortably a very good championship team, maybe even pushing for playoffs. And people questioned a lot of what they've done over the over the years, always signing young players, always selling players when it comes to it. But, they've, but what they've done is they've reinvested the money. They've got a clear way of playing. 
they've and they they've stuck to it and as a result they're reaping the benefits through consistency and so i feel you know it, we, we're still early days russ russ has had one transfer window and that's during a pandemic yeah, it's. I know it sounds a bit silly to say, but he's had one transfer window, and our player of the season left, our top goal scorer left, and one of um one of our brightest youngest players left in in Callum Britton. You know, it, what more do people want him to do? We probably, you know, look at the teams above us. How how many of our players probably get into their team? A few probably, but overall, you'd say you know mid mid table, lower mid tables, probably where we deserve to be. Rossi, your thoughts the same? 100%. I'll bet any sort of money we will not get relegated this season. And that's just down to the performances that the lads have shown. And as Joe mentioned, if we add to that quality in January, there's no reason why we can't push up the table. Well, you heard it here first. Ross is taking bets on us not get relegated. So if you're, if you are negative and think we are, then um, there you go. Um, but yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this section. Um, obviously, you know, taking our feedback, anything like we get, and that was one of the topics we received. So we thought we'd bring it up and um, hopefully, you know, it offers you a bit of a different angle to what we typically do. I would just mention as well, I think yeah. we, we always ask for feedback, but I think if anything, if anything bad feedback is probably better because, of course, you know, yeah. a, a lot of the, you know, it's all good and well just hearing what you might be doing well, but. You know, if people do genuinely think we need to change things up or want to hear our views on certain issues, then please do mention it. Yeah, and that's what one of the that's what I was one of the feedbacks there. It's like um they were talking about maybe um finding you know, perhaps different guests on that maybe have different views to us. And um whilst you know we can look to do that, we can also look to things like this where we, you know, try and take maybe some other fans' angles of what they feel and try to implement it in and give them your you know your perspective, and I can, or Ross can be, or you can even, Joe, be that person who's been a devil's advocate and trying to argue against it. But yeah, if you like that segment and want to see it in the future on various topics, even suggest topics for us, that'd be excellent. Um, and we can keep doing it. But that's it for um, part one of this episode. Uh, yeah, and also with all the tier news, you know. I hope you're all doing well, of course, and people may be stuck in tier four and maybe people are put back into tier three. Um, and just so you know, all of our DMs are open if you want to chat with us and the pod and the pod accounts DMs are, you know, we're always here to make sure you're all okay. And if you want to have a chat, then we're all happy to have a chat with you and make sure you're okay, basically. So yeah, that's it for part one and we'll see you shortly in part two. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Welcome back to uh, part two of this episode and a um, new segment for us, uh, the Opposition Overview. Um, you know, we've said earlier in the season that we wanted to bring on guests from uh, other podcasts and teams are playing throughout the season. And we have got the pleasure of introducing um, the Gas Club podcast into this version and uh, Kaz from there. So, uh, Kaz, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Good. Um, you look forward to Christmas or is it a bit of a strange time for you? Uh, it's a bit strange because can't do everything that I would normally do at Christmas. So it's a bit of a shame, but uh, at least the football's going ahead, eh? <laughs> 
Well, yeah, that's uh, one positive. Yeah, it's going to be definitely a strange um, time in general. But yeah, I suppose at least the end of Boxing Day game, uh, well, to look forward to in our case. Uh, I'm not too sure how you're feeling about it. Um, I know. Yeah, but I suppose we'll start off with um, giving us a brief rundown of how sort of gas season's gone so far. You know, where are you in the league table? You know, how's the manager change gone and things like that? Yeah, so... Uh, it was a bit of a, a tricky start for us. We had Ben Garner in charge and the fans just didn't take to him the moment he was appointed. So he had the fans on his back almost straight away, which is no good for any manager, really, if you're trying to settle into a role. Um, so the fan base is quite toxic and there was no belief in the team. Um, so Garner's results were OK, but none of the results were actually convincing. Um, so the ones that we did win against, say, like Northampton, for example, yeah, we won it, but it just looked... It it was still such a poor game and we knew that we only won it because they're a really poor side so we just didn't feel convinced as the fan base that that Garner was going to be the man to take us forward so um, it was quite a, a rapid decision from the board to sack him when they did uh, with only 10 games into the season um, so it's quite a bold statement but Tisdale's now come in and uh, you can see a real difference in the squad you can see the players are starting to believe in themselves there's confidence there um, he's brought out the best of them. I know it's only been a few games for him, but it is a real dramatic difference. So uh, the fan base has sort of turned on its head a bit now and everyone is starting to believe a bit. So, yeah, starting to think that results can get better from now on. Yeah, really good. And that, would you say that's the kind of biggest change that you've seen since this has come in, that belief in the squad in terms of getting results and putting in good performances? Definitely. I mean, I knew he was at Exeter for a very long time. And when he was at Exeter, one of the things that they loved about him was that he brought up the youth players and he, he brought up really promising talent and, and made, got the best out of them. Uh, so that's something that he's looking to do for us now because our squad is very young. Uh, the squad that Garner built is a very young squad and we have little experience in there. So um, building up that morale is very important for our team and Tisdale could well be the man to do that. I know it's early days, but the signs are definitely there. Yeah, I think when we had when he had a brief stint um, at Milton Keynes Dons, of course, players yeah. like Sam Nombe who have moved on to Luton now, they sort of really gelled in his sort of system. Um, it's three five two that he did, and um, yeah, it's it's been pretty evident so far from what me and Ross noticed that that's happening at the Gas as well, which is uh, of course nice to see. Because you always want to young players do well. Mm. Yeah, uh, Ross, I believe your next question, mate. As as uh, Paul Tisdale's came in, what would you say uh, the gas do well as a team under Tisdale? Um, we'll just touch, so touching on what I said earlier is, is the belief in the squad. Um, and with Garner, he had a real problem with trying to get the players to walk the ball into the net. And Tisdale's just come in and completely changed that. He's gone, no, if, you, if you're outside the box, have a go. And the players are just thinking, OK, I'm not going to make that pass anymore. I'm going to have a go myself. And it's just that self-belief, that confidence, just, just go ahead and do it. Um, so we've got players like Hanlon, Nicholson, um, Oztumer, all of them are having a go now. Whereas before, they would just try and like play it out wide and try and snake their way into the box and we're just we're just not at that level to be doing that we're league one and it's just not going to happen against these big boisterous defenders that we're up against um so that's definitely something he's changed and it's working well um and the players are trying to be less fancy and just playing it simple and that's what we needed to do in the first place because the players have the ability we knew that it's a good transfer window for Garner. he's done very well with the players he signed but he was trying to push them too hard and get them to play a way that they weren't just suited to so Tisdale's come in and changed that. 
Yeah, that's very interesting you've said that because of obviously under Teasdale uh, at MK, he was doing the completely different, um, well, opposite as such. And he was trying to walk the ball in the net. So uh, I know um, if I remember a game rightly against Fleetwood, um, we had zero shots uh, on target in that game. And um, that was a reason why Teasdale was forced out as such, or uh, fans wanted him out his negative approach of football so it's interesting to see that he's uh, changed up his uh, tactics and um, it's working mm. at Bristol Rovers very well. I wonder if something was said to him about it maybe and they've said look we've tried this way it's not worked is there anything else you can do a different approach because they're definitely playing different under Tisdale than they were under Garner and it's working much much better. Yeah it's been a fairly common theme actually with especially us this season with teams sort of adapting their approaches against us um, so, mm. actually, it's very interesting to hear that Tisdale has adapted his own approach um, since coming in to Bristol Rovers. And uh, well, it seems to be working, obviously, with all the COVID games being cancelled, unfortunately. But um, maybe could have bit your momentum. But, um, yeah, it seems to be doing OK so far under him. Yeah, I mean, it's just a clear difference. Um, just the amount of goals that we scored. We scored... Three against Plymouth. Um, I know they're not the best side. Sorry, I know you didn't <laughs> you didn't beat them, but they're, they're, not, they're not the best side. Um, so, you know, a convincing win, which, which like I said, against Ghana, we, we weren't winning convincingly and the Plymouth game was a convincing win. Um, and to get three goals and then to score four against, yeah, four against Wimbledon. Um, God, it seems so long ago now, but we, yeah, beat Wimbledon 4-2 and then on, off the back of that, beat Plymouth 3-0 to just to score a large amount of goals in two games is, is, is promising for us. Yeah, definitely. So in terms of uh, key players to maybe look out for, I know you mentioned Hallen already, um, but are there other key players that you feel Rovers have that maybe um, us Milton Keynes Dons fans should look out for? Uh, number one would be Sam Nicholson. Um, how we got him for free is crazy. Uh, he, if he carries on like this, he'll go for big, big money. He's an absolute live wire. Um, he sort of plays behind uh, the front two, um, but he has the ability to just run through teams and score a goal from anywhere on the pitch, which we've seen from him this season. He scored a couple of crackers and um, yeah, he, he's definitely one to watch. Jacola as well, our keeper, I would argue he's probably the best keeper in League One. Um, so if you're going to have chances, um, then yeah, you're up against someone who's very, very good, who's got very good reflex. So um, yeah, I would say those two, plus Hanlon, who sort of started to find his feet. And Oz Tumor, if he's fit, um, the little Turkish Messi is another one to look out for. Um, he's just a tricky little player. He's five foot three, but he is good and he is quick. So yeah, those ones, I would say. Uh, the ones not to worry about would be our defence because we can't stop. See, it's, we can't seem to stop uh, letting in goals at the moment. Uh, besides uh, well, that's news to us for sure because we could do scoring some goals this weekend. So, uh, <laughs> um, one person when I was sort of looking at um, Gas as a team who stood out to me was Zane Westbrook. Um, mm. I was looking at his heat maps. His heat maps is crazy. He seems to be all over the pitch, and um, his 1.9 key passes per game, I believe, is top of the team. Um, Stats-wise, anyway, of just below Josh Hare. Um, is he a type of player who could run the game on Saturday for you, or is it more on the players that you mentioned just previously just then? It's a funny one with Westbrook because he hasn't really been in Tisdale's favour, uh, which is strange because he's he, he, Coventry fans loved him. We got him from Coventry and they really rated him and they were sad to see him go. So he was one that when we signed, I thought, bloody hell, we managed to pull that one off. Um, 
and he's had spells where he's looked really good um but he's had spells where he's not looked so good I think he's still trying to find his feet in this team um but it seems like Tisdale is favoring Ed Upson over him uh which is you know so it's his choices he watches them every day in training but um I, I wonder what his reasons are behind that because Westbrook had the game of his life against Plymouth um so I'd like to see him start uh, in the next game um but it's a case of when he's on form yes he's one to watch but he, we haven't seen that every game yet this season I mean we know all about Ed Epson, obviously from him being a Don's player previously and he, he is kind of that game ticker on and he just keeps everything going and doesn't really move from his sort of like hard midfielder role. So I think from a Tisdale system that we understand that that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, Ed Upson, like you said, just that quietly gets on with the game. He never does anything fancy or anything outstanding, but he does keep that midfield ticking, um, which is, you know, some, something you want in your team and you do need that bit of a mature older head to to keep the team motivated and keep them going. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind either way if it's Westbrook or if it's Upson, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, Ross, any other players you want to touch on or should we move on? No, yeah, I just wanted to mention about Ed Upson um, in his previous game against Plymouth. I was just uh, noticing that he does defensive work also in this Bristol Rovers side in the sense of um, he's won three out of his five ground duels, um, two out of two aerial duels, and his passing accuracy is at 80%, which for someone who sits so advanced up the field and isn't afraid to uh, play in his own half as well, um, it's quite astonishing, eighty percent in my eyes, because of you. You do will and eventually get pressed by your opposition, and um, mm. I just feel like um, I know Ed Upton. He was personally one of my favourite players when he was at MK because of, um, if you remember Liam, that free kick. I can't remember yes, who, yeah. exactly who it was against, but yeah, he, he hasn't got a. He's got a wonderful right foot as well. Um, but. I've noticed you said about the defence being all, um, quite all over the place recently, but from just individuals, um, I was looking at Jack Baldwin and I remember remember him playing for Peterborough and um, Sunderland, if I remember rightly. And um, it looks like he's starting to find his form. And you're mm. saying that, you, yeah, you're conceding the goals, but is that because everyone's not on the same wavelength as such? Yeah, I think it's sort of getting used to each other and getting them all in the right positions. Having Aimer in the centre just wasn't working, but we moved him to the right and he had the game of his life. Um, so it is just sort of shifting around. But as well, Ben Garner played three at the back and that's a lot of pressure on your defence. Um, Tisdale switched it up to five and it made a world of difference. Um, but there is still, it seems like they don't know each other very well. It's a whole new back line, basically. They don't know each other. So maybe the the longer it goes on, the more training they have together, they'll start to get to know each other a bit more and they'll improve. Because like I said earlier, the quality individually with all these players is there. But as a team, they seem they just don't know each other that well and they're struggling to click. Uh, and that's what Tisdale was sort of changing them a bit. And it's, it is improving. Um, still not perfect, far from perfect, but we can see an improvement. Ross, leave your questions up next as well. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was just wondering uh, what you think, Kaz, about the um, MK Dons. What are you worried about coming into this game? Uh, I'm worried about the fact that you score every single game, it seems. I did a little bit of research and you, you haven't gone many games without scoring. And like I said, with a defence like ours, um, if Plymouth had a decent strike force up front, 
then they definitely would have scored. I know we've got Jacola, but there's only so much that guy can do. Um, and there's times where Plymouth would run through our defence like a knife through butt, and thank God they couldn't finish. Um, and I know you've got two players that are on six goals. So you've got two top goal scorers at the moment. Um, our top goal scorer is Hanlon, who's also on six. Um, so to have two strikers that are capable of that many goals at, at this stage is, is a bit of a worry for me. Uh, would you say that that's, <laughs> that's fair? Yeah, well, you say that. Um, we've got a little magician in midfield uh, in Scott Fraser, and he does go um, mm. unnoticed at times because of there's so many experienced heads in the squad, like Keo, you've got Jerome's and Lewington, especially. I just feel like uh, Scott Fraser, if he plays his game, he can, he'll, he'll walk any team off the pitch in League One. And that's not me putting my uh, uh, nose out there. That's just saying look at the stats and you'll see that and I really think um, in the summer especially um, Russ Martin our manager um, he said that he rejected some top sides in Sunderland especially and it just shows um, in the way this club's going and the project and process of the whole club and it just shows that we still are an attractive club going forward but yeah on the pitch Scott Fraser is definitely the one to uh, look out for yeah, so I, I'm going to go with him then. That's my worry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, completely fair enough. I think every side you read about him. Um, yeah. Okay, we kind of talked about uh, a few maybe players to watch out for from both teams, but um, in particular, is there any like key battles you're looking out for um, that you've maybe highlighted yourself? What do you mean by key battles? Sorry. So, say wrong. for example, um, Ross has put down his example um, Jack Baldwin versus Carl Morris, so uh, striker versus defender. So, for example, I think for me, one key battle would be um, if he starts Westbrook versus Scott Fraser. I feel they're both two players who can really dominate a game on the day and mm. all over the pitch, essentially. Um, so, I think those two are going to maybe bash heads a bit if they do both play. And, um, you know, try to take a hold of it essentially. Um, so for yourself, did you have any maybe key battles you were thinking of based off our examples that you maybe are looking at from this game? Yeah, I mean, Scott Fraser sounds like someone who maybe Jack Baldwin or Harry's might want to look out for. Uh, it's hard to say because I don't know, I don't know your team well enough yeah, to say yeah. who, who. Um, but uh, yeah, or even saying like, if you do have a lot of chances for, like in every game and you are scoring every game, then Jacola is going to be a big, big one for us to, uh, yeah, he, he's going to need to step up in this game. He was actually injured um, a couple of games ago, whenever it was, it feels like so long ago. Yeah. Um, so it's whether he's going to be playing. Um but yeah, I would say by the sounds of it, we're going to have quite a bit of defending to do. Um, so yeah, sorry if I've not answered that very well. No, that's okay. It's let's, perfectly let's, fine. Go, let's go Jack Bolden <laughs> versus Scott Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel um, obviously Cameron Jerome, as uh, Ross mentioned, is a player to watch out for. He tends to be our goal scorer when we need him to score a goal. Um, and that's been quite a lot this season. Um, so... Yeah, I think maybe Chicola versus Jerome could be a key battle to watch out for as well. Um, basically, yeah. anyone can score a goal. A uh, lot can score a goal against your goalkeeper by the sounds of it. Yeah, and I just don't have faith in our defence, so I'm just go I'm going to skip there, but I'm going to go straight to Chicola versus <laughs> Jerome and Fraser. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Um, 
Okay, so uh, let's get on to our predicted starting 11s for the game. Um, Ross, I'll kick off with you, mate. Um, what's your predicted starting 11 for MK Dons against the Gas this weekend? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've gone for a slightly different um, lineup this this week. I feel like um, all, all will depend on us, and I think we will di- dictate the game. Um, so I've gone with Fisher in goal with uh, O'Hora, Keo, and Louis, the usual back three. And I've gone with Paul and uh, I've gone with Dan Harvey um, in this one because I feel like Sorinola, we've mentioned in previous pods, that defensively he's sound, but going forward he hasn't got the complete game just yet. And I feel like this this game just suits Harvey to a T because of he's got the opportunity to um, run up and down that wing. And if Harvey on his day, he can produce anything. And um, we're starting to see, see the real Harvey recently. So I've gone with Harvey out on the left wing back role. And I've gone with Kasumu, Fraser, and I've gone with Sermon for this game. Only because of Sorensen against Plymouth really struggled, I felt. And um I feel like Sermons can bring that composure and um in trans- transition because of Bristol will cap counter attackers at times. I feel like uh Sermon can hopefully cut it out. But later on in the game uh, Sorensen will probably have to come on due to legs. And I've gone with uh, Jerome and Morris up top. Yeah, I'm um, I'm fairly the same as you. Uh, just the one change me from that from uh, Ross. I've gone for George Williams at right wing back over uh, Paul. I just I just like to have that contrast of maybe one maybe one attacking player in Dan Harvey, and then one maybe more defensive minded in uh, George Williams. Um, just a personal preference to me. I think Regan could definitely start against um, Rovers this weekend. Um, I just quite fancy Willow. Um, and I'll make sure to get Joe's lineup so we can come to some sort of consensus about uh, who's going to start. Um, Kaz, did you prepare a predictive start 11 for uh, Bristol Road this weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm hoping it'll be similar to the Plymouth game because, like I said, we had that confidence and that drive in that game. So we just need to, I know we've had a break, but to try and keep that going. Um, so I'm going to say, fingers crossed, Jacola is back and he'll be in goal. Uh, and then I think he will opt for perhaps five at the back. Um, so I think Amos staying at right back, Kilgore and Baldwin in the middle, and then Leahy left back. And then I wonder if he will put... Oh, interesting. We'll put right back. It's, it's a pair because we've had a few injuries. It's hard to sort of okay. say because as, as possibly Rodman might be back, but I don't know if he'll go straight back into the side. So maybe actually I'm going to change that. I'm going to do four at the back. So then I go Aimer right back, Kilgore, Baldwin in the middle, and then Leahy left back. And Leahy tends to sort of be like a left wing back sometimes, so he can run up on the wing. Uh, and then we want in the middle, we'll have Grant as sort of like a defensive midfielder. And then Westbrook and Upson in the middle. So I'm going to go both because I don't know which one he's going to go for. And Ostrom is injured. And then front three, McCormick. Nicholson and Hanlon, so sort of like a triangle thingy up front three. Yeah. So uh, McCormick and Nicholson. Uh, Nicholson is like the best player, and McCormick is close to being the next Nicholson. He's another little live wire, and both of them assisting Hanlon uh, is a real danger up front. So as long as we could sort out the defence on the day, I think those three will be the key ones to worry about. Yeah, and that's what I'm hoping it. Is. 
Yeah, well, I can't say I'm looking forward to playing that front three, quite frankly. <laughs> Especially if um, Rovers' sort of game plan is to maybe counter-attack, um, which it tends to be when teams play against us. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. They're quick. They're quick and they're tricky. And Hanlon is quick and boisterous um, and he's strong and he knows how to win a penalty. So just be careful with that one. <laughs> Don't stick your leg in, in the box, I suppose, is the message there. Okay, so we've kind of gone through everything. Um, we'll round off on our predictions for the game. Um, Kaz, I'll start with you. Um, how do you think Saturday's going to go after you haven't really had a game in a little while? So I suppose it's a bit hard to predict, but what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm going to take into account the lack of training uh, and the break. So I'm going to say 1-1, one, because one, I think we'll concede, but I also think we'll score. And I'm going to say Hanlon to score our goal. And Fraser to score yours. Yeah, that's no, no surprise to us. Um, <laughs> Ross, what's your prediction for Saturday? Yeah, I just I just want to ask you a quick question, Kaz, in the sense of, do Bristol Rovers press the opposition much? Or do they tend uh, to sit back? We no, we have done more so. Um, to be honest, it was always Garner's game plan to do that as well. Um, but he tried to do it in the most complicated way possible. Um, but yeah, definitely. Um, Upson drives forward. Westbrook drives forward. Grant even drives forward. He's more a defensive midfielder, but he drives forward. Leahy is more of a wing back. Um, and Nicholson and McCormick uh, run down the wings in the final third as well to assist handle in the box. So I would say definitely, yeah. And we'll be looking to do it on Saturday. Yeah, because I've, I've, I've gone with a 2-1 MK Don's victory. But the thing which worries me is so, um, a lot of teams have changed their style and um, have gone to pressers in the first 15 minutes. And we saw that uh, Plymouth in the first half and they're having success out of it. So it um, be interesting to see whether we can actually beat that um, pressing trap. And uh, yeah. I'm hoping uh, Tisdale doesn't come out of this one successful and uh, hopefully we can get the victory. Yeah, he might be looking to against the club that sacked him, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's always it. It's funny with Tisdale, because he's always been that internal type of manager who doesn't really let the emotions play too much into what he thinks. Mm. Um, but I think if yeah. he gets three points at Stadium MK, I think he'll find it hard to uh, show a bit of emotion, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I ran off my prediction. I've also gone with a 2-1 uh, MK Don's win. Um, you know, as Kaz kind of mentioned, they've had a bit of a lay off the whole team due to the COVID outbreak in the squad and they haven't really trained apart from well I think maybe tomorrow will be the first day of training um, so it's going to I think it's going to really hamper them quite frankly uh, uh, obviously I want to be positive and say we're going to win after a pretty disappointing performance at Plymouth and um, I'm hoping we can get our, form, our home form back because we kind of need it especially for a team like us so that kind of rounds off our uh, first ever opposition preview. Um, thank you very much, Kaz, for taking the time out of your Wednesday evening to come on and uh, talk to us about gas. Um, no, thank you for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Um, if you want to plug anything, uh, feel free. Uh, yeah, so Gas Cast Podcast is our Bristol Rovers podcast. Um, we're available across all channels, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Spotify, iTunes and all other podcast providers. So give us a listen if you, if you like. <laughs> yeah, no, no we, we're on preparation. And what I did anyway, I listened to one of the previous scout reports just to get a gauge of what maybe we're getting uh, into if you come on your podcast. Um, and um, yeah, it's great stuff. So if you're looking to get a bit of insight into what Bristol Rovers are like before the game on uh, Boxing Day, then yeah, have a listen because it's good. Thank you.
And yeah, I've just round off. Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, Millie, you're going to release on Christmas Eve, so uh, day before the uh, the big day. Um, obviously, it's not a typical Christmas that we'd all want and hope for, um, but hopefully you can make the most out of the holiday um, and spend some time with family. And, um, you know, it'd be nice to be at the football on Boxing Day, but unfortunately, we don't have that luxury this year. Um, so yeah, you have to watch it from your sofa and I follow, unfortunately. But thank you very much for listening to this episode and come on you dons away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.